Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Thank you, Mike and Sarah. I love that song because Jesus went out as the sacrificial lamb, but one day He's coming back as the lion. People would get better get ready. Um, we're actually going to take a break uh, from our series and testing our, our assurance for Mother's Day. It's going to be a standalone today. Uh, I was joking around with Pastor Matt. I was saying it's funny. Somehow, even uh, when I was at the other church, I always end up preaching Mother's Day. It's like every year I get to preach Mother's Day, uh, which is pretty cool because it's very significant to, uh, to me and, and our testimony, which I will eventually get to. But let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that you give us. Lord, you are the provider. Uh, Lord, you are the God of, of the universe who loves us personally. And Lord, we're grateful for that. Uh, Lord, just to help to open our minds, Lord, and help me to preach the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There was a Christian lady who lived next door to an atheist. Every day, when the lady prayed on her porch, the atheist guy next door could hear her. He thought to himself, she sure is crazy praying all the time like that. Doesn't she know there isn't a God? Many times while she was praying, he would actually go to her house and harass her, saying, lady, why do you pray all the time? Don't you know there is no God? But she kept praying. One day, she ran out of groceries. As usual, she was praying to the Lord, explaining her situation, and already thanking him for what he was going to do in advance. As usual, the atheist heard her praying and thought to himself, hmm, I know, I'll fix her. He went to the grocery store, bought a whole bunch of groceries, took them to her house, dropped them off on the front porch, rang the doorbell, and then hid in the bushes to see what she would do. When she opened the door and saw the groceries, she began to praise the Lord with all her heart, jumping and singing and shouting everywhere. The atheist then jumps out of the bushes and tells her, you old crazy lady, God didn't buy you those groceries, I did. At hearing this, she went even more crazy and started running down the street praising God. When he finally caught up to her, he said, lady, what is your problem? She answered, I knew the Lord would provide me with some groceries, but I didn't know he was going to make the devil pay for them. <laughs> it's true. Just like the atheists in this story, atheists say there's no evidence for God, therefore God doesn't exist. That's the conclusion they draw. One prominent atheist was uh, once quoted as saying, if God exists, then so-called knowledge of him is based on the irrational. Surely he is not knowable through any objective means. Meaning, natural man cannot know a supernatural God. This is the conclusion they are, are drawing. You know, he's sort of right. There's actually a little bit of decent theology in what he's saying. See, there are some obstacles that sinful, finite man has to connecting with a holy, infinite God. That's what I want to talk about this morning. The, the title of this sermon is Coming to Know God. How do we come to know this God? Well, what's really great is we have a God that gets these obstacles out of the way for us. 
I want to talk about three ideas uh, mainly in coming to know God this morning. The first one's going to be general revelation. God reveals that a creator exists to all mankind. Then we're going to deal with the sin problem. We don't, as mankind, want there to be a supreme being to exist. And then we're going to deal with the special, special revelation. God reveals himself to us personally in a very special way. The main idea today is going to be this, all through this sermon, so keep this in mind, is this. For us to truly know God, he must reveal truth to us and prepare our hearts to receive it. For us to truly know God, this God, this holy God, who does not dwell in space and time, and we do, the only way that we can know him is for him to reveal truth to us and to prepare our hearts to receive it. Let's look at some scriptures to see why this is true. We're going to start out in Romans 1, 18 through 23. Um, Let's talk about general revelation first. Paul writes, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what could be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. It's true. God dwells outside space and time. We dwell inside space and time, meaning this. I can't this morning point to something on stage and go, see, look, here's God. He exists. The argument's over. We dwell in in certain regions. God made space, time, and matter so that we we can live within it. He dwells outside that. He's an eternal God. But that doesn't mean that there is no evidence of God. And this is what Paul's getting into. First we see what could be known about God is made plain to everyone through creation. This is where things get a little funny Because there's a certain group of people that look around at creation and go, wow, God creates a beautiful creation. And then there's a certain group that looks around creation and goes, yeah, this is awesome, but we don't really know how it got here. Paul's going to deal with that. The first thing we see, Paul says, is in verse 20, he says, his eternal power and divine nature can be seen out of what is made. What exactly is he talking about? There's something called ex nihilo. It's a Latin word for meaning creation out of nothing. Think about that. Everything that exists has a cause. How can something come from nothing? It's logically impossible. So the first thing that, that, that Paul's saying is that we can look at his eternal power and divine nature because only an eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful being could produce what we see in creation. Logically, that's where we go. God's word also says when we look around the complexity of creation, the fact that it exists at all, we should reason that it has an intelligent cause. Now let me explain this. We have a completely fine-tuned earth that can support life. In the earth's orbit around the sun, 
If it's just one degree further out, we freeze to death. If it's one degree further inward, we burn to death. The fine tuning of the, our solar system is so perfect, it allows for life to exist on Earth. That's why you don't find it anywhere else in the universe, or at least we haven't yet. It is specifically designed to support the kind of life that you would see on Earth right now. It has a planet like Saturn that has rings around it. It kind of acts as a vacuum as it goes around in its orbit. It has a super planet like Jupiter that's so massive that it just blasts things out of the way as it goes around its, its orbit around the sun. There is such a fine tuning to everything we see in life. Nature cannot, it cannot produce intelligence. Everybody knows what Mount Rushmore is, right? It's got the four presidents on there, Washington, Jefferson, Roosevelt, and Lincoln. If I didn't get that right, my daughter, who's a history major, would kill me. But we get to see it sometimes when we go to South Dakota, and it's really neat. It's not one of my favorite things in South Dakota, but that's a whole other thing I'll talk about later. Um, but anyways, it's, it's really cool to see those faces carved on the side of this mountain. Okay, but we look at that and we can intelligently see somebody purposefully carved faces in the mountain. Now, we know what erosion is. Erosion is when the sun and the wind and the rain wear down the face of a mountain. And over thousands of years, it does. It wears it down more and more and more. So what I like to ask um, any kind of atheist that says that nature can produce intelligence, I asked them how many billions of years would it take for erosion to carve four faces on the side of the mountain? I'll give you billions of years, if that's what you need. How many billions of years would it take for erosion to make perfectly George Washington's face, Jefferson's face, Roosevelt's face, and Lincoln's face? So that we can intelligently know it is impossible. And let me just say, our finely tuned universe is way more complex than carving a couple of faces on the side of a mountain, amen? This is what Paul means in verse 19. What, could, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. It's the plain as the nose on Lincoln's face. Here's the thing, though. It's, it's, it's crazy because you, you think about it and nobody looks at a beautiful painting and goes, hmm, I wonder if there was a painter. They look at a painting and they go, I know there's a painter. Well, this is why Paul ends this in, in verse 20. This is, this is actually a very sad thing when you think about it. He says, so they are without excuse. All of mankind will not be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know. I didn't know a creator existed. God's going to go, creation, creator. Painting, painter. It is really as simple as that. It brings us to our first point. The creator has given us everything we need in order to know a creator exists. The creator has given us everything we need in order to know that a creator exists. There will be no excuses. So you might be asking, okay, Pastor Jared, well then how come so many highly intelligent and usually rational people do not agree with you? I can't help it if people are wrong and I'm right. I'm just kidding. 
Well, we get to the sin problem. Paul continues there in Romans 1, 21 through 23. Paul knocks this out of the park. And this actually irritates a lot of non-believers because they're not buying into this. But us as believers, we can see how perfectly this explains what the issue is. It says, verse 21, for all know they knew God. They didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy things. I don't know what those creepy things are, but they creep me out. Mankind chooses to turn their backs on God and reject the knowledge of him. Plain and simple. Mankind chooses to reject the knowledge of God that is plainly before them. So God gives them over to their foolishness. What are some ways that we knowingly turn our back on God? Think about it. The first one I want to bring up is pride. Man is so prideful that he doesn't want a supreme being to lord over him. Who here likes people telling you what to do and lording over your every action? By nature, we are rebellious. The, it's, it's, it's like God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. It's like he's saying, you deny me and want to worship creation. You want to worship yourself. You want to worship the created. Go ahead. But to me, it's like someone being, uh, uh, their, their ship sunk out in the middle of the Gulf of Mex Mexico, 100 miles out. Someone pulls up and throws them a rescue device, and they're like, you know what? I'm a really strong swimmer. I think I, could, I got this. Thanks. And sends them on their way. We don't want somebody to lord over us. The need for a savior is swallowed up in, in our pride. The next is the love of sin. Man is so in love with their own sin, they don't want a supreme being to exist. It was once said that a, a, sin, a sinful man looking for a, a, a holy God is kind of like a bank robber going in and robbing a bank and then running out of the doors to go look for a cop. We love our own sin. It's all different for, mostly it's different for all of us. We have that one pet sin or that, 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 that thing that we just can't shake that we will put before God, even as Christians. So think about the unbeliever. They want to hold on to that sin. They don't want to let it go. They don't want there to be a God to tell them, I'm going to take that thing you love away from you, even though it's probably going to destroy you in the end. The third thing I find of people that turn their backs on the, on the knowledge of God is that they have a misconception of who God is. This, this usually shows its face in the, um, because pain and evil exist, a loving God can't exist. A lot of us have, have probably heard that before. Hey, listen, you know, something happened in my life and it was so terrible and it was, it was horrible that I just can't bring myself to believe that a loving God exists. It's a great and valid question, 
It's a great and valid feeling. And you know what? What I'm about to explain to you is never going to help that person through that hard time. That person just needs to be loved. Amen. Amen. But it's such a twisted view of who God is. God, his idea for us was perfection. And because he allowed us to choose between him and evil, and we chose to usher evil into this world, that is why we suffer. And you know what? If Adam and Eve didn't do it, I would have done it. If they would have been perfect up until the day I was born, I would have messed it up for all of us. We chose to usher in evil, usher in sin, pain, sickness, death. We brought that in because God allowed us to choose. And that was the choice we made. Brings us to our second point. All people know the creator exists, but because of our sin nature, we choose to worship the created instead of the creator. This is why we turn our backs on this general knowledge that a creator exists. It's because of our own sin nature. We can't get past ourselves. So, oh, and it brings us, uh, also reminds us of our main theme for, to, for us to remember, for us to truly know God, he must reveal truth to us and prepare our hearts to receive it. This is the fix. God fully knowing our sinful hearts, he made a way for us to be known and for, uh, for him to be known and for us to be forgiven. I want to turn now to Hebrews 1, if you're in your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be looking at Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Special revelation, the fix. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir over all things. Through him also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So we see in verse one long ago, this special revelation, this God reaching out to man. Long ago, God revealed himself to us through the Old, the Old Testament prophets. It was usually through an angel or the Holy Spirit or the, hearing the voice of God, but it was specifically to a person, and then they would reveal truth to others. As we see in verse 2, though, these days, but in these last days, now God reveals his truth through the work of his Son by the Holy Spirit to all men. This special revelation, this truth is available to those that are able to hear God's word. As Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, 6. We see this truth being revealed today all the time about God. What kind of truth is God revealing to us today? Look at verse 3. We see this truth being revealed about God. He is 
meaning Jesus, the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is God. That is truth that is being revealed to us today. We know he's God because he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And when he made the purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. When he paid the penalty for our sin, died and defeated death, made a way for us to be forgiven, he then rose up and now rules at the right hand of the Father as God himself. This is the truth that is revealed to us today. And when we hear it, just like right now, just like right now you are hearing the truth about Jesus, God gives us a chance to respond in faith. That is an awesome opportunity, amen? God is revealing truth to you in a very specific way right now. But he does it all the time these days. Here's some practical ways that God reveals himself, especially to mankind. And it's got to start with the Holy Spirit. It's amazing to me when I'm speaking with someone, whether I'm at work and I'm talking to a customer or talking to friends or family, and I know I can kind of get the hint they're not really a believer. And I say something about church or I start talking about the truth of God's word, and all of a sudden you just see this, this switch or this light switch go on in their head, and they're like, Please tell me more about this, Jesus. It's like normal people don't do that. If you start, if you go out on on the street or sit down in a store right now and start talking about God, especially the J word, Jesus, or the Bible, people are like, oh, okay, yeah, thanks. You know, I got to go sit over here now. But it amazes me when all of a sudden you're like seeing these people, they're drawing the truth out of you. Please tell me more. I want to know more about this truth you're talking about. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in hopefully in me delivering that truth because I mess things up a lot. And the person hearing it, he's already prepared their heart. He's already been working on their heart to receive that truth. So when it happens... They want more. The next and most obvious way that God reveals truth to us is the Bible, is God's word. We have no excuse. It's like you hear people say all the time, I feel so far away from God. I feel so distant. And you're like, when was the last time you read your Bible? Oh, it's kind of been a while. Well, he's trying to talk to you. Open it up. Make no mistake, it's awesome. When you're going through God's word and you're reading scripture, and I don't know if it's the same way for you, but it is for me sometimes, but I'll read something, but then one time I'll read the same thing I read before, and it just becomes alive. It becomes alive, and it, and it deals with what I'm going through, and I, I really feel God speaking to me through that passage like never before. And I feel like that's God revealing himself personally to me. And it's not my truth and it's not a special truth. It's God's word. It's the eternal truth. So whether we hear, whether we are praying or reading God's word or hearing it uh, proclaimed, God is reaching out to the rebellious, rebellious sinner and giving him a chance to understand his truth. 
God is reaching out to the rebellious sinner and giving them a chance to understand the truth that he wants to be known. As the Bible says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Third, I want to talk about God uses people. God, for whatever reason, uses us. I don't know why that's always so amazing to me. Because he is so perfect and he's so holy and he's always faithful and we're not. But yet he allows us to be a part of what he's doing. Whether we're planting seeds or, or you know, uh, praying with someone to receive salvation, God uses us plain and simple. Think about it. If you're sitting here this morning and you call yourself a believer, there's a really good chance somebody spoke to you about Jesus, Right? God uses us. We have the honor of pointing people out to the saving knowledge of him. What an honor. So I said Mother's Day is special to me, okay? It is, it is kind of special uh, to me and, and to my family. And um, I told you I'd get to this whole Mother's Day thing eventually. Speaking about revealing truth to, to someone personally, I just want to give you a little bit of, of my testimony because it really does tie in, and especially to Mother's Day. Uh, Mother's Day 2002, specifically, um, it was spring uh, 2002, Mother's Day. Uh, our daughters were six and eight. Uh, Heather and I have been married about seven or eight years at that point. We got married very young. Um, there's a lot more to that. Uh, but I don't want to go into right now just for the time, uh, sake of time. But I will openly tell you, our marriage was a complete disaster. We got married young. We did things the wrong way. We were incompatible because Heather was a believer and I wasn't. So at some point, it came to a head and she finally asked me to move out. I was really considering this as, as I, I just saw no other way. But I couldn't imagine living in a, in a world where I, I, I didn't have my, my daughters full time. So I fought it. And I stuck it out as long as I could. But the actual day that I decided enough was enough, I'm going to let her have her wish, I'm going to move out. See, I would work all day and then come home and she would leave and she would work all night. She was a server at a, at a restaurant down in Benita. So we would... We were kind of doing this thing. I wasn't really staying at the house, but the, so the girls wouldn't really know. I would just come home from work as normal. She would leave. I would, you know, do dinner, bathe them, put them to bed. And then when Heather got home, I would go and stay at my friend's house. So we did that for a, a few days. But the very day that I decided, you know what, enough is enough. This is ridiculous. I guess this is just going to happen. Heather was driving home that night. And she was just praying really hard. And she was... She was just asking God, listen, this guy is no good for our family. He's a good dad, but guy's crazy heathen. He's just not really good for our kids. We don't love each other anymore. And she's praying, God, show me a sign. What should I do? And she really stepped out in faith. And I know at the moment, the answer God gave her wasn't the answer she wanted, but she said that uh, just about that time, there's an old Rebecca St. James song, Be Still. Be still and know that I'm God. 
And she said, as she was praying, that stuck out to her. And she said, it just hit her like a ton of bricks. Just be still and know that I'm God. Don't do anything. Just continue doing what you're doing. And I got the rest. I was wait, sitting there waiting for her to come home so I could leave. And uh, I just remember her walking in. And I'm like, I think I said something like, okay, well, I canceled this bill and something like that. And I'm getting ready to go and, and on my way out. And she stops me and she says, wait. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't understand this, but you're supposed to stay. And I, I just kind of remember just falling like as a puddle on the floor. And I just couldn't believe that. I'm like, why? Why did she change her mind? What's going on? What? It just didn't make any sense. I mean, I battled for weeks and weeks and weeks. I'll do anything you want. You know, let's work this out. And it was an emphatic no way. But tonight was different. So fast forward a few weeks to Mother's Day. We're working on our relationship. We're working on this thing. Uh, Heather, at that time, just to fill that gap in, she had started going back to her home church in Bonita. And our, our daughters were getting a little bit older, and she thought it was important for them to be raised, you know, in, in church as she was, and because it was something she deeply missed that wasn't a part of our lives at that point. So they would get up and they would leave me every Sunday morning sitting by myself, and that got old. So one Mother's Day, about 17 years ago, I decided to get up and go to church at a, as a Mother's Day present. It was cheap. It was, it, was, it was a day just like today. Um, I decided to get up and go. And I was kind of anti-church. Just to let you know where I was at, I didn't like this whole church thing. I thought us Christians were uh, hypocritical. I say us now because I am one. Hypocritical, judgmental, and a little bit crazy. And I really didn't want anything to do with that. I'm not sure what I heard in church that day, but all I know is I went with an open mind and an open heart seeking truth. I wasn't looking for religion. I wasn't looking for anything that day other than to want to appease my wife because at that point I didn't do enough of that. And two, seeking the truth about what she was subjecting our family to. I wanted to know if this was true. And... From that day on, I somehow got saved and became a pastor. I remember weeks after that, I, I went forward and uh, it, we, we had an invitation. They gave kind of a gospel message and I came forward and I was kneeling at the altar. And I remember my prayer was a little bit like this. It was funny because it was kind of like, here I am, Lord. If you are who you say you are, I'm here. Do something with me. Prove it. The next thing I know, I was a pastor. <laughs> but to tie it in what we're to, to what we're really talking about, so just like we learned today, I knew a creator existed. I did. I would say to people, well, I believe in God, but I had no idea who he was. That truth was suppressed by my own sinfulness. I, I was okay with this creator existing, but I didn't want any kind of supreme being telling me what I could do. Just like that. But because one day due to my circumstances, my ears and eyes were opened and God 
revealed his truth to me so that I could truly see who he was. And eventually I got saved. He used the faithfulness of my wife who didn't give up on me, was faithful to listen to, listen to what God was telling her against her better judgment. But I will tell you this, I will always remember for about a solid month almost sitting there on Sunday mornings by myself going, why aren't I just sitting with my family? What's the big deal? I like being with my family. I'm telling you right now that people are watching your lives and the faithfulness that you show to God and the way you live that out matters. Amen? Amen. It brings us to our third and much long-awaited point. God reveals himself personally by his spirit, his word, and by others around us. God reveals himself to us personally by his spirit, his word, and others around us. God has gone to great lengths to break those barriers down between you, you and, and I and him. Between sinful man and between a holy God, he has gone to such great lengths to break those barriers down. As Mike comes up, how do we know God? Well, by our main point, for us to truly know God, he must reveal truth to us and prepare our hearts to receive it. That is the only way that we will come to know God. He does it in a general way. He reveals himself generally as the creator. But as we heard, this is not enough to save us. This is really only enough to condemn us because now we're accountable to knowing that a creator exists. How can we make this clear to people around us, especially unbelievers? That's why I love apologetics. You're never gonna argue someone into heaven, but you might just get your foot into the door of their mind to explain the truth of God to them. That's why I like to talk about, you know, something can't come from nothing and nature can't produce in intelligence and explain how finely tuned our earth is because it gets them to just stop for a second and think, maybe there's something to this God. Maybe there's something to this creator. But then remember that there's a sin problem. We as mankind don't want a supreme being to exist. So if you, if you explain something to somebody and it makes sense to you and it doesn't make sense to them, that's why. Don't get upset, pray for them. Have patience with those unsaved people around you because just like you, they're blind to the truth due to their own sin nature. And last, we learned about special revelation. He reveals himself to us in a very personal way to overcome the barriers of our sin. We must, we must be able to clearly explain the truth of the gospel to people. Some of us feel like, you know what, that's not my job. I'm not an evangelist and I don't know the Bible cover to cover. You just need to know the truth of the gospel. It had much to do with the, the faithfulness of my wife and the faithfulness uh, to God and our children is why I'm standing before you today. Let's pray. 
Dear Father, thank you that you make yourself known, not only through the clear picture of creation, but you speak personally to the hearts of men. I praise you for using the circumstances in my life to stop me in my tracks so that I would seek the truth about who you are. Thank you that when I did, you revealed truth about who you were and I was saved. Lord, I will never get over that as long as I live. I pray that if there's someone listening to this right now, Lord, that you would reveal your truth to them so that they may believe in the power and the work of your son that will save them for all eternity. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.